Hey, Jantans and Jantanites, it's Jason Desmond from the Jantan Collective with yet another interesting discussion on what's up with that. This is where we question, we learn, and we grow. Now, of course, subscribe, like, and comment below because we love hearing from you. Maybe it was something that we talked about and you feel strongly about it as well. You have a comment or maybe uh, you feel like, hey, why don't these guys talk about this and we haven't done it yet? Get in touch. Now, you know I love stats, right? And this slightly sobering stats. Over 1.5 billion students from over 156 countries could not continue physical schooling due to the worldwide COVID-19 pandemic. This was a UNESCO study this last year. And it's very, very sobering. Is online education the way moving forward? How will this affect this, this COVID generation and education? Let's talk about that in this time of COVID. Really, what's up with that? Now, to get really into the bones of this discussion, we have someone who knows the ins and outs of this because this is his role, this is his life, this is what he specializes in. Uh, we're speaking to Teacher Ken or Chui Ken Pang, parenting teacher trainer, licensed headmaster. I never actually knew, Ken, that you could be a licensed headmaster. So if you are a headmaster in a public school, you have to be licensed. Yes, I am a headmaster. I'm a guru basa for a private institution for an education center. Yep. And how old are you? I'm 36 years old. My goodness, you're probably one of the youngest headmasters I've ever met because most of the headmasters I remember as a kid, maybe I was very young myself sort of, and probably my headmasters were in, in their 30s as well. But generally, are you one of the youngest headmasters in Malaysia? I don't think so. Not by a long shot because really? don't forget we have private institutions and right, right. Uh, international schools, right? Some of them are headed by some very young and young and bright and illustrious uh, headmasters as well. Yeah. My goodness. So mm. how, how did you get into education, Teacher Ken? Oh my God, JD. Let me tell you, I wish I could go and tell you a noble story, but the All truth right. is this, right? Okay. I came out from a law, from a legal and investment banking background. And after investment banking, I started a few businesses, one of which was this education center, right? Right. And I had catastrophic business failure, guys. Okay. So okay. bad I lost all my money. I had to start I had to start teaching in my own education center. I was I was the guru basa all along, so I didn't have to teach, right? But that was such a humbling experience for me. I had to go and teach again. And it was the best thing which happened to me, you know. My failure was actually the best thing which happened to me because I really found my true calling. I really found my true passion. Right. I do love teaching very much. So before this, you were into, uh, you had a different educational background and then you started this school. Why start a school in the first place? You see, back then I was in private equity. I was running my own fund. And so people would come to me with business ideas right. and I would go and select them based on the criteria. And one of the, one of my investment selections was actually an enrichment center, was actually an education center. And so then I became, I sat on the board of trustees. I became the guru basa there, you see. Right. So that's how I got involved. So right. I started teaching. So w what did you teach specifically? I taught history and I taught English. Yeah, history and English. Let's talk a little bit about the education system in general right now. Because if I were to ask you, let's say before the pandemic happened, before we even heard of COVID-19, what did you think of the state of education in Malaysia was at that particular time? In general. All right. So now, JD, um, I think the flaws in our system have been discussed at length by many more people who are yeah. much more qualified than me. So why don't I tell you what I loved about our Malaysian education system okay, before okay. this? Yeah. yeah. Now, a lot of people don't know this, but it is really beautiful in our Malaysian education system that we really encourage our teachers to specialize in a subject. If you think about it, it's true. A teacher who teaches geography will continue to teach geography for 30 years, for 40 years, yeah, for 50 yeah, years. That's true, yeah. Right? Your, your mother's Sajara teacher is probably your Sajara teacher if you go to the same school. Yeah. If you think about it, yeah, right? That's true, yeah. So yeah, if you think about it, specialization makes teachers great. After 20 years in the same subject, right? You are definitely going to know the ins and outs. You're going to know the syllabus really, really well, right? And over time, people develop passions and ownership of the subject they're teaching. So right. that's the great thing about the Malaysian education system. Then why do so many people knock the Malaysian education system? Well, let's take a look at it objectively. Yeah? Um, I teach a fair level of uh, international syllabus, the IGCSE, as well as the, as well as the O-levels. I'm familiar with it. And if we were to go and look at the Malaysian education system, 
it's not that far off, you know. Really, the things we teach in the, in the same years are not really that far off. Now, it is not a matter of the material. It is a matter of the delivery, perhaps. It is the okay. matter of how we assess our children, right? Okay. How we assess our students and how we go and give marks for those assessments. The material, the syllabus, is not that far off. So the assessment, obviously, IGCSE is a, it's a much higher level than what we're, we're going through in our current system. Um, that's, we call it government system, I suppose. Is it, is, I would say it's different, but... Because you're in the system itself, you know what it is, what it's like. IGCSE and the current system that we're going through, SPM or whatever, is it vastly different? No, we model much of our papers on the IGCSE. For example, taking it as a benchmark. Of course, there are other systems all around the world. The Norwegian systems are very, very good. The US system is not bad as well. Yeah, but let's take IGCSE because it's available everywhere, easy to compare. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, we are not that far off. And let me tell you, right? Um, in the, before the pandemic, we were making real, real efforts to go and really incorporate STEAM, which is, you know, science, technology, engineering, and math, right? How we go, how the cross-discipline application. Science, technology, engineering, and math. Okay, that's yep. okay, right? Yeah. Okay, so now, originally it's STEM, S-T-E-M. Then they added an A, which is art. So okay. they were trying to go and teach subjects which incorporated cross-disciplinary applications, right. you see. Okay. And we were really trying to go and adopt that in our Malaysian system as well. Right, and I think that is definitely the correct way to go forward for education. This encourages critical thinking, application of knowledge, you know, problem solving skills. Very, very good direction. Having said all that about how good our education system is, we can agree to disagree on many different things, and uh, there are a lot of different views on um, how good or bad the education system is here in Malaysia by a lot of people who have actually gone through and said, no, no, no I'm, I'm going to take my kids out. A lot of uh, people in power. And then COVID happens and it blows everything just wide open internationally. And here we've heard the stories of a year and a half of this, of kids going in and out of, the, of uh, studying from home, and not having the internet connection, all everything just happens because we just were not prepared for it. What do you think of the education that the government's measures are actually were implemented during this pandemic so far? All right. So now, if you take a look at the private education sector, yeah, they responded far more quickly. Than, yes. Yeah, they responded far more quickly. And um, I, I suppose that the public sector was still hoping that this would be. Remember, the first lockdown was just two weeks. And we right. genuinely thought that, hey, you know, at the end of two weeks, we can go back to normal, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think that that was what they were hoping for as well. And look, shifting to online learning, right, takes infra, takes resources, takes dedication and takes investment. And obviously, they really, they wanted to be really sure before they made such an investment. Um, the, 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 the private sector couldn't afford to wait because if they stopped teaching, then their students stopped paying, yeah? Correct. So they quickly shifted to Zoom classes. They quickly shifted online, all right? The public sector waited for a very long time. And I remember even after they started, they, the number of contact hours was drastically reduced. We're talking about normal school hours of anywhere between six to eight hours, right? Typical schools, yeah. which was reduced to one hour. Yeah. And this went on for quite a prolonged period of time because we had to go and set up protocols and, and ways to teach online, yeah? So... Um, even today, all right, even today, uh, for example, my son's school, he, he doesn't go for the entire six to eight hours online class. In total, the contact hours would be around four to five hours. So there's still some missing hours. Yeah? And when you have a syllabus, which is already very packed, and yeah. most teachers cannot finish their syllabuses, if you remember back to our own youth, yeah? Yeah, our yeah. teachers rarely finish our syllabus one year. Yeah? Yeah. So now you have a generation of students who are extremely anxious and easily distracted. Because and, yeah. they're just not primed for that kind of environment for the five hours compared to what we had last time in school. And then now drastically reduced. So are they just not ready for, to, to study in this manner? Um, okay, so now here's the thing about physical school. Yeah. Yeah. The great thing about physical school is that it introduced structure to us at an age where we could benefit from it a lot. Discipline, in a way, right? 
Uh, structure. I wouldn't say okay. discipline. Yeah, discipline right. as well. Yeah, discipline okay. as well. We'll get to that later. But structure, all right. right? Generally speaking, you didn't have to think so much about what classes you had to go to in the morning, what time you had breaks, and what time, uh, what time you would see this teacher today, what, what books to pack the previous day, right? So now, nowadays, we don't have so much structure when it comes to online learning. So people are less focused, I would say. Students are less focused, yeah. That's also the same for a lot of working adults who were initially forced to work from home. And then you're like, you know, they, they, they didn't have a schedule. They, the early days of working from home was absolutely horrendous. Some people were working longer hours than when they were in the office. So I, I, I can imagine what it's like. I mean, if we're stressed out as adults, can you imagine what it's like for the kids to actually suddenly be thrown into the deep end of online learning from home, right? Absolutely. Totally agree. Yep. Thank God. So what then? I mean, like, is it just, this is how it's going to be and then we're just going to try and tweak it along as we go and then now that it's been a year and eight months or a year and uh, two years now of kids just, they're even thinking because maybe we should reintroduce them to school right now but then parents are going, hey, wait, we're not, they're not vaxxed yet. I'm not going to send my kids back to school. Are you freaking crazy? Then are the teachers vaxxed, double vaxxed or not? We don't know, but are the parents of the other kids vaxxed as well? So there's a lot that's not known, right? So how do we, how do we go from it? It feels like it's a snail's pace right now, whereas the private education system has just like, this is what it's going to be because you're right. If they don't do this, they're not going to pay. So what are the negative effects of this that the kids are just like, neither here nor there studying in a school system that is supposed to prep them for the working world or whatever world that is coming out? Well, JD, this is, um, well, I mix a bit of my professional opinion and data-backed research, yeah. Okay? Yes, yes. As okay. well as my own personal feelings about it, yeah. Um, okay, now, kids nowadays, they receive information in drastically different ways from me and you. Yes, right? I noticed that, yeah. Because of this, right, they are, very, very stressed and anxious. They have developed a type of instant gratification type of mindset. That's probably because of social media also, isn't it? Very good. Yes, right. correct. Social media, um, right. The other day, Facebook came out to go and admit that their platform was depressing. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if some of it was intentional, you know. The other day, I went to go and train this uh, large software company in Malaysia and when I talked about this, they were laughing because they had a UI UX, which is user interface, yeah, user, user experience yeah. department. Yeah. And they just admitted, they said, yes, we design our app and our website to be as addictive as possible. We want you to go and spend as much time on our God, app that's as the possible. Point. It's a business, right? Business, right. Yeah. Right. Unfortunately, all right, this business is how our kids are getting in information nowadays. So this like is something... TikTok and whatever. <laughs> Absolutely, right. right. And this is something which I would love to go deep dive. I'm not sure if we have the time, but I am a champion of something called algorithmic, algorithmic polarization. Okay. So now polarization is, you know, differences in opinion, right? Yep. We become more and more extreme in our opinions, more and more set in, more and more stubborn, right? Unwilling yep. to accept another points of view. But guess what? When our kids go to Google, when our kids go to YouTube, when our kids go to social media, they are only fed information which pleases them. Yes. Right. Very simple. Yeah. If I go to YouTube and I see things which I don't like, I'm going to log out from the app. Correct. So they will only show me things which I like. And what do you think happens to our mindset then? Do we develop critical thinking skills? Right. No, we don't because we're only seeing the same things over and over. We are not examining things from another point of view. Right. So this is really, really dangerous. Okay. So it's yeah. like, I don't want to eat my vegetables. I only want to eat sugary donuts. And I'm like, okay, no, you should eat vegetables because it's good for you. No, sugar, 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 sugar. That's what's going on right now with, with uh, social media and also all these apps, right? Well, sugar, I mean, sugar, sugar is one example. Let's take another example like vaccinations. Ooh. Right. Uh, some people are very against the vaccines. Some people are really for the vaccines. Yeah. You don't have anyone in between. Right? Why? It's because when they said, yeah, and kids, kids feel like this, yeah. My my son asked me the other day, hey, you know, Dad, why is you know why is China so evil? Why did they release this virus to the world? I'm like, wow, why would you say that? Yeah, he says that. Yeah, everything on my feet says that. Okay, I get what you I get what you say. So, you you're strongly for algorithmic polarization. 
No, of course not. Against, I, right? yeah, I'm obviously. very, very much against it. Right. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Uh, but yeah, coming back to coming back to the way we are learning our formal education, the big problem with it is that our social interaction skills for our children are being really, really underdeveloped. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's say let's say we are classmates, right, JD. Okay. Let's say yeah. we are classmates and we were in a physical setting. Right. When the teacher stops talking, what would we do? Hey, bro, lend me your pencil, lend me your color pencils, you know? Right. right. Hey, do you want to go and play erasers after this? Right, right. Right. We would talk in between the gaps, right? We would yeah. interact with other people. And with the interaction, we learn a lot of secondary skills. Conflict resolution. No, I don't want to go and lend you my eraser. Uh, please, la, I'll negotiate, right? We negotiate, we fight, we learn skills, right? Life we learn skill. leadership skills. Life skills, sorry. Right. Now, when the teacher stops talking in Zoom, our children still can't interact with each other. Yeah. They, 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 yeah. What do because I, I don't have kids on my own, right? What do kids do in between the time where the kids are actually where the teachers actually on Zoom and they're not? Do they just sit there and then they just do their work on their own? No, of course not. Probably Discord, probably Minecraft, probably yeah. PUBG, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not that's a whole different world to what we grew up with. Absolutely. And right. if you think about it now, right, JD, as, as, a, as a successful business person, right, think of all those skills which you developed in childhood yeah. when you fought with that person, when you fought with a bully in the playground, or when you were crying and asking for help. All those are skills. Very fascinating. The kids are missing out on a lot. And for teachers, though, what is it like for them now? I mean, like, are they stressing out? Are they struggling with this? Because when you see a student in, your, in front of you, and then they're making noise in a group of Public schools have 40 kids in the classroom and everything, right? You can tell who is the naughty one, who's the loud one, who's the smart one, who are, who are the ones who are always in the back, who are the ones who are always like, trying to, uh, the teacher's pet and everything. You can see it right smack in front of you because everyone's just there. There's now, yes, you can see your students in Zoom, multiple screens, or whatever it is that they're using. How much harder is it for teachers in this day and age, in this COVID age right now? JD, it is extremely, extremely tough, all right? And I'm going to talk a bit about classroom pedagogy here, right? Um, classroom management. Right. Now, um, you know, certain teachers are very, very well liked in schools. Yeah. But when they glare at the class, the whole class will keep quiet. Okay. Right. On the other hand, there are certain teachers who are also very well liked, but they can shout and shout and shout at their classroom no and one no, one, no one listens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Why? Why? So it's not a matter of likability, right? It's a matter of how consistently you enforce the rules in your own classroom. So what I'm trying to say is, okay, teachers who shout and threaten, but never carry out the execution of the punishment, those are teachers which would rapidly lose the result, uh, the respect of their students. So basically, right, parents, this is something we all have to learn. If you have set a rule in your house, you have to enforce it. Make sure you keep your own promises so that people can respect your promises right? and, and respect the rules. Now, the problem is in, in online class, most teachers only have threats. They cannot actually carry out the punishment or the correction or the consequences. And right. this is a huge problem. So what can the teacher do? The teacher can only mute you or the teacher can turn off your camera or the teacher can kick you out from class. But guess what? That's what they want. Last time you get sent to the principal's office or sit in your chair or... Oh, yeah. Or, you know, repeat this. You know, write this, write this 10 times. times. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. But now they can't. It's like a toothless tiger. Absolutely. You know? And no one respects a toothless tiger. Or rather, you have to be very inventive in how you, in how you enforce your discipline in your classroom. It's quite sad, though. It's, uh, already, teachers are severely underpaid. Mm. They have to do more now. Mm. And then... Their, their, their teeth, their fangs are taken out from them. Yeah. How do I mean, you feel about that? Um, for younger children, I think that this is going to be a severe problem because for younger children, right? I mean, they learn a lot of skills in kindergarten and in primary school, especially skills like concentration, mental discipline and tracking. You know, tracking when the teacher walks, you, your eyes will follow the teacher, right, generally right. listen to what people say. Nowadays, when someone's speaking to you over the speaker, your concentration is really your concentration skills are really underdeveloped. I never, I never knew that. That mm. there's more to it than just being in class. That you're being taught motor skills, you're being taught like tracking. That's interesting. You know, let's talk a bit about that. Already, it's a problem if you have internet connection and you you are connected to class 
and you are there for whatever reduced amount of contact hours, four to five hours compared to the eight, right? It's already a problem where the teachers can't discipline you properly. Then now we have another problem where some kids, and this is this was widely um, reported already, there is a digital divide. Some kids just have more access to devices, technology than others. What can we do about that? You, you actually mentioned infrastructure earlier. This is it, where we're just not set up for an education like the system that we have to have now. So I was reading some statistics and more than 90% of households have a device at home. Which more is than 90%. More than 90%. But you see, here's the thing. The number of devices is the problem. I might have a device. My spouse might have a device, but we need it for work. And let's say yeah. we have three children. Ah, the numbers don't add up already. All right. Yeah. So what do you do? Share it, right? You can't do it. Then your work will suffer, right? Absolutely. Or even if you have one device or two devices set up for your three children, who, how are you going to choose which is the one who is under who's going to be underprivileged? Especially so, if you're like from a B40 family. If you're right? from a B40 family, it's really, really tough. Yeah. So this 90% is from is it just across the board or across the board? They have at least one device at home, more than 90%. So what do you do about that? Uh, well, fortunately, there are some very charitable people like YTL. They started to go and give out the free handphones, remember? I've got some reservations about that because there were also <laughs> reports of the phones exploding. exploding. Right, yeah. So yeah, the, it was a thought that counts. I, I, I give to them that they actually did feel like, you, yeah, you don't have a phone, I'm going to give you a phone. But is that, is that all that we can hope for? Uh, this is why this is why there's a very strong push, not just for pedagogy, not just for learning, all right, but also practical reasons, right? Why we should really go back to school as soon as possible, at least for people who do not have a physical, uh, do not have a device, an internet uh, accessible device, they should perhaps be given the priority to go back to schools. Having said that, right, I see very, very, very real mechanical and physical roadblocks. To, to reopening schools. Look look at the US, right? Their adult population is mostly vaccinated, but their kids are not. And that's why now you have 5,000 cases in schools, thousand, thousands of kids getting hospitalized. I think that's what the parents are very worried about here. I'm very worried about it too. And, right, they were, yeah. and when they were talking about reopening in September, yeah. I'm like, wow, how does that work? They pushed it back know? to October, right? So yeah. Oh, even October is not it's going still, to be okay. Yeah. So, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So, so I, I'm 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 torn about this because you're a parent of kids who go to public school. Yep. You obviously can help provide your kids with the necessary technology for them to go online. Yes. There's a lot that doesn't that don't have it. So correct. Is there no solution to this? What can we do? Like give all the students like really cheap handphones that explode so that they can actually go online to study, or do we? Take them back to school. Do we do a half and half system? How do we do this? Um. Okay. So now, um, this comes into the realm of public health, and I'm really no expert on this. Right. Right. But you, I, I can give a, I can give a little guess. Yeah, I can give a little guess over here. Now, um, getting everyone vaccinated is only half the battle, and it is not very practical one because just because we're vaccinated doesn't mean that the virus is not around. We can True. still get infected. Yeah. yeah. The, the virus is still on our clothes, on our hair. You know. Yeah. And we can't just rely on mass immunity. We also have to go and do some form of quarantine lockdown to bring the numbers down. Otherwise, the unprotected people will, will be infected, you know? So do we just keep our kids home and just hope for the best and just continue online learning then? We will have to reintroduce school reopening in phases. And even then, it must be only when the numbers come down. Because there's always this breaking in period where it's very, very tough initially where it's like any, anything when you first learn a new skill, it's very, very hard to, to, to get to be good at it. And then once you get a hang of it, you master it and whatnot. Are we in the awkward phase of online learning where our kids are just trying to understand it? We are trying to figure out our, our, our workaround and everything. Maybe they just might get better at it. Maybe you should just do this online learning thing indefinitely anyways. So, all right, let me, um, okay, so now for older students, especially tertiary education, there is hard, okay, studies have shown that for, that for colleges and above, yeah, there's hardly any difference between online learning and actual in-person learning. Yes. 
that's because our cognitive skills are fully developed. Right. But for younger kids, especially in the primary school and kindergarten ages, right, preschool ages, they need help in training those skills I mentioned earlier, concentration, mental discipline, you know, focus, structure in their lives. And online learning doesn't do a good job of teaching those. Discipline is another one. Okay. Mm. And another thing that I'm very concerned about is um, the mental health aspect. Because we've been talking about this uh, quite a while, like, they, they develop very, very slowly. But also another thing is like, I have seen some kids just not, like we were happy, go lucky kids. Not happy, just go to the playground, play gully and then just hang out with our friends or whatever it is, right? But there, there's no separation from class and hey, recess time. Let's get the heck out of here and then just do something that's completely, it can Pretty be a brain dead. Yeah. It's just fun, right? Yeah, yeah. A friend of mine, a uh, child psychologist, Katiana Asman, actually said uh, recently uh, that her new clients per week have actually quadrupled. And she works exclusively with children, with teenagers. And she said that confinement, social isolation, and uncertainty were prime conditions for developing mood disorders. And we've realized this. Articles have come out nonstop for the past year about depression, anxiety-related disorders in kids. We've never even heard of the term depression in kids, we kids. in our time. <laughs> yeah. But you're in the system. Yep. You know what's going on. Have you seen a rise in kids just not being what kids are supposed to be? Happy-go-lucky? JD, I am very, very sad to say that, yes, I do concur with your, with your friend. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, I'll give you a very good example. Traditionally, as a parenting trainer, people who came to me were normally uh, uh, parents of adolescents. That means we're talking about anywhere between 12 and 12 until 17, because that would be the rebellious, would be the more difficult years to navigate. Yeah. But now increasingly my clients are coming to me and they have younger children. And this is a reflection, right? Of some of the difficulties our children are going through. Um, Yes. It is because of apps and games Right now, I'll give you a very, I'll paint a very clear picture to you and you will understand immediately, right? Okay, okay. okay. For JD, for us adults, right, before the pandemic, to be happy, what do we have to do, you know? What gave us? Yeah. Before the pandemic. Yeah, what do we have to do to be happy? I don't know, once in a while, play a video game or go out with friends and hang out with mama and yeah, generally like before the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, But what else gave you a sense of achievement and satisfaction? Ooh. A meaning Uh, in life. What gave you meaning in life? Fulfilling my goals, I suppose. I don't know. Very good. Absolutely. Right. When you get right. the paycheck, when you see that number in your bank account increasing, yeah. Yeah. all this yeah. gives you a lot of serotonin, dopamine, endorphins. Right. Right? And everybody has go- a different one. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. you go to the gym, right? Uh, why do you go to the gym? Right? Why do you exercise? Because you get that rush of chemicals, right? Right, right. And these are what we call delayed gratification. We sacrifice our fun today for the promise of a better tomorrow. Okay. All right. And ultimately, it will bring us more happiness, more meaning, more, more, more chemicals. Right. Nowadays, why do children keep asking you, why do I need to study? Mm. Why do they keep asking us this? Why should I study? Why do I want to get good results? Why do I want a job? Why do I want money? Do you know why they're asking us all of this? Why? Because they know how to be happy. They just go onto the app and they get that same rush of chemicals. Right. That's true. They go to PUBG. Yeah. They get, um, they get um, I, I don't know what it's called, Mega Kill. And they get the same rush of chemicals. Right, right, so right. they have no idea why do I need to study when I can feel happy just by logging on and playing with my friends. Right. They don't know the, the joys of like holding back, saving a little bit of money and then buying that, that bigger prize and everything is very, very different. Well, I, I never realized how, how it's like a drug. Mm. So what do we do? Just stop them from playing video games and stop them from going online then? Well, you see, in the past, we had options. We could say, you know, there are other ways for you to go and release your angst and your anxiety and your stress, right? Go and go and fight. <laughs> go and play basketball with the neighborhood kids. Right, you know? right, right. So, yeah. yeah, go and take it out there, you know, or, you know, go and, yeah. Other forms of activities. Uh. Other forms of activities. And right now, those are not quite an option. But it's not, it's not for a lack of wanting. I'm pretty sure that the kids want to do all this. I'm pretty sure that the kids want to go to the Padang and play with other kids and everything, but it's just how it is. So it's this, it's just a situation that the kids are put under. So it's just something that we have to accept that that's how it is. The kids of this generation just will be 
for lack of a better word, stunted because of what's happening right now? No, I believe that as parents, we have to go and at some point, all right, open some conversation with them to go and say, you are playing a game, all right, and you should, all right? Uh, I will allocate time for you every day to go and play this game or to go and chat on this app. And it is a necessary part of your learning. But don't ever think that this is the only way for you to get satisfaction in life. Right. There are many other things we can do. Books, right? Yeah. Um, learning, hobbies, arts and crafts, which can give you a different form of satisfaction, but possibly more meaningful forms of satisfaction. The problem okay. is when we go and treat the device as a babysitter. Yeah. And a lot of it starts from a very young age. I see some parents even at the dinner table with a, a, not even like a seven-year-old or whatever it is. It's like a three, four-year-old one and they have an iPad in front of them. And it's just, you know, yeah. So yeah, we have to really go and tell them, yep, you will have enough time to go and play every day. I'll make sure of that. But don't for a second believe that this is the only way for you to go and find happiness. Yeah. There are I feel ways. for parents also like, because they're also weighed down by weight of uh, expectation from their from their workplace they have to manage that at home and then what used to be the job of the teachers in a way in school and everything they've got to now make sure that the kids are actually learning don't stop being online so much go outside and they, they actually technically you can't even go outside anymore you have to just do something else right it's a lot for a parent to do nowadays absolutely and that's why you will get no judgment from me if you tell me i have no choice ken I need to go and use the, the device as a babysitter. You get no judgment from me. I totally understand where you're coming from. Yeah. You are also facing a lot of stress and you're also facing a lot of anxiety. No judgment from me. But let's see what we can do together to go and open conversation with your child to develop habits. I also want to touch on something else. Like young kids, really, really young kids who are in school. Yes, they need to develop some form of interaction with other kids, uh, conflict resolution, you talked about that as well. But the mental health, I mean, like when it comes to depression and anxiety uh, that the kids are actually facing right now, we talked about um, delayed gratification. Now they get it straight from video games and everything. But another mental health worry is that some of these kids who are closer towards the to finishing school or whatnot, they see why the hell do I need to study so hard when I don't even, even know whether I can get a job out there now? How do you deal with that? How do you, how do you manage a child who sees all this and there's just this sense of hopelessness out there? All right. So now, JD, fortunately, okay, I have an answer for this. Surprisingly, yeah. Okay. All right. Now, earlier on, you said something which I love so much and it really, it really shows your wisdom and experience. Yeah. You mentioned goals, right? The best way for us to feel a sense of satisfaction and progress in life is to work towards our goals. Now, here's the thing about children. When I was teaching in international school, I remember this very, very clearly. I was teaching English, as you may recall. Right. I asked my kids, year nine, which is around 15 years old, to go and write an essay about my hobbies. And this is something we used to write all the time when we were kids. Right? And to my yeah. horror and surprise, you know, JD, okay? Most of the class were unable to progress beyond the first two paragraphs. Like, what, what do you mean? They don't know what their hobbies are? Yeah, so they came to me and they go and ask me, Teacher Kian, okay, watching YouTube considered to be a hobby or not? Oh my God, no way. Mobile Legends, is it considered to be a hobby? See, so, when I say no, I'm so afraid that I'm one of those old guys that says like, oh, in my time, we used to have other things, you know, we used to play out in the garden and everything. Is that technically considered a hobby, the Mobile Legends, PUBG and whatnot? Well, okay, so I asked them for the girl. This was a girl who asked me, okay, is YouTube considered to be a hobby? And I asked, well, it depends on what you're watching. And she told me I'm watching 5-Minute Crafts. Not sure if you heard of this channel, 5-Minute Crafts, where they really, no. do art projects in 5 minutes. Okay, okay, right, right, right. And so I was delighted. I was so delighted to hear this. So I asked That's her, right, well, yeah. yeah, do you do any of the arts and crafts? And she said, no, I just watch it for entertainment. Then I'm like, oh. Because <laughs> in my mind, if, if they're actually doing it, or if you like, for me, I like watching cooking shows because I want to learn how to cook. Correct. So now, why is all this important? Why am I talking about hobbies out of all of a sudden, right? From the yeah. original question, because hobbies tell us what we like, and more importantly, what we don't like. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And there, from there, we have a very, very strong sense of what values we hold dear as people when. We had a lot of hobbies when we were kids. Taekwondo, yeah. badminton, whatever, you know. And we discarded so many of them along the way because we knew that that was not where our passions lay. 
But you could try it out. That's right. Things, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And so when you when when you discard when you have a very clear idea of what you don't like, you have goals. You slowly, very subconsciously, start to develop goals. Nowadays, if you were to go and ask that that same gentleman or the same lady who is leaving school who doesn't want to go to college, why don't you want to go to college? It is because they don't have any goals in life. They do not know what is important to them, how they can contribute to to the society, to themselves, and to the community as a whole. Because I see, I've spoken to young people, but not children, but just younger folks who are like uh, just about to leave for college and everything. What do you really want to do in life? I have no idea. What is your passion? That's why they have such trouble trying to figure out what the hell it is that they want to do in life. And it's not just them, you know, to be honest with you, Ken. Because I've actually spoken to some people who are like burnt out with work around like... For, at, before COVID-19 happened, people were burnt out because they were just sick of it. That I've got no work-life balance back then, right? Now is that you just get a job, it's already, you should be happy, right? But I asked them, if you're so sick of your job, what do you really want to do? And these are like people in their 30s. They also have this thing where I, I don't know. Probably they're just watching a lot of TV, but then it's, a, it's a, not exactly the same thing with kids. But this just blows my mind that the kids are doing that and they're not actually engaging in things. So what do they want to do? Like, do they just want to? What are their dreams right now? Do they just want to be dancers on TikTok and and stuff? Really, is that what they want to do? They think that YouTubers can make a lot of money and it's easy to do so. I hate that. I hate that perception right now. You know, because I technically I'm a YouTuber right now, and it takes a lot of work. Yes, yes, it's not easy. It's a lot oh. of a lot of hard work, and they think it's easy. So yes, YouTubers, right? Influencers like yourself. Please tell them to become. Like me, you need video editing skills. You need really strong writing skills. You really need good production quality. You need to go and train a lot of different skills. If you're really serious about becoming a YouTuber, pick up these skills now. Yeah. Again, I'm not knocking you if you want to be a YouTuber because I, I'm trying to evolve as a human being. And then times change. YouTube is the thing right now, and TikTok is the thing. Again, like what you said, if you're watching something online and it's it's a skills based thing, I think you should. Encourage your kids to do it instead of just watching it. That's very fascinating. Yes, correct. I don't know. I'm trying very hard not to be the old fogey, old guy that says back in my time again. But we talked about teachers having their their fangs pulled out because of uh, online learning. Talked about students um, not having the experiences that we had when we were kids. That is that's life changing actually because we we developed as 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 humans. Now you tell me that they don't have dreams. What about, what about parents though? I mean, like, what are parents going through right now that's incredibly negative when incredibly trying for them? Oh no, I, let's, let's try to go and keep this positive and see what we can do, yeah? Okay, let's try, <laughs> let's try to do both. Let's see, yeah. let's see the positives and the negatives. Okay, so, yeah, what are, what are the parents going through right now? Oh no, parents are going through a really tough time right now, yeah? Because um, we inherited our parenting skills from our parents, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Back in back back in the day, during our parents' time, there was no parenting trainer like me to go and give birth skills. Yeah, and so a lot of people in our generation now, the way we treat our children is how our parents used to treat us. Yeah, but those ways are very limited in effectiveness now. If you were to go and tell a kid, all right, my rules, my house. Nowadays, they can't accept it because, like we have covered before, they are very instant gratification minded. They yeah. will not embark on a project or they won't be convinced by your reasoning if they don't see how it will benefit them directly. I will give you an example. You, will, okay. you From this analogy, you will immediately understand. Yeah? Now, right, when right. we were kids, okay, and let's say our cousin comes to our house to play, our parents will go and tell us, hey, you know, JD, you know, go and share your toys with your cousin. Then we will ask, why? Why do I yeah, want to yeah, share my yeah. toys? Right? Yeah, and yeah. they will say, oh, because we take turns so everyone is happy. Right? Yeah. That would be enough for us. Nowadays, kids, you try that, they are going to say, why? Why should I share my toys? And you say, oh, we take turns, all right? So that everyone can, can be happy. They'll be like, why do I care if he's happy? Right. Yes, because they do not see how, how, make, how, how the other person being happy will benefit them. So is it our fault? Is it the fault of social media that they've become like that, that they just evolved that way? That means if we, if we never let them have uh, go online and 
and like, get this instant gratification from games or not, they would have turned out very differently. It's no one's fault. It's just that we have to go and evolve our way of speaking right. and eventually okay, they'll okay. get it, all right? Okay. So okay. now, what can we say? We can go and say, hey, you know, you got to share your toys, all right? So that he will share his toys with you when the time comes. Then they'll be like, oh yeah, oh, okay, I get a bit of win-win situation. It's, a, it's a reward-based um, way of uh, explaining it to the child, is it? For younger children, for younger okay. children. Mm. I just don't know whether like, because we were Gen X or uh, Gen Y back then, like, we just accepted it because our parents said so. So what, are the kids just being more rebellious now? No, it's not that. Like, what's going on here is this, yeah, okay? Now, when we were kids, and let's say we wanted to find out why is the sky blue, what would we right. do? We'll ask our dad, lah, you know? Yeah. Dad, why is the sky blue? And you know, dads, lah, they're going to give all types of reasons. Lah. Might be true, might be not be true, right? Yeah, yeah. Give you a, a really good dad joke and you'll laugh about it. But guess what? Whenever they answered, whether it was a good or bad answer, we thought that, wow, dad is so cool. Wow, dad knows what the answer is. Yeah. Nowadays, when our kids ask us, hey, dad, why is the sky blue? What, what do we answer? What do we answer? What do we say nowadays? My God. Good at YouTube. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Correct, right? But I would actually go like... Uh, Google it, man. Kids, yeah, you know? go, go Google it. And so what happens is we are actually seeding, we're actually giving away a lot of respect to the devices. Why so, do you... Okay. <laughs> we're giving our power away as parents. Mm, we're giving our influence away. Right. I don't want to use the word power. I want okay. to go and use the word influence. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's very sad. Because... No. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually, actually know like like I remember a lot of dad just and my dad told me <laughs> you're absolutely right. It helps it helps you connect with your, your parents, right? Use your personality. Yeah, and then you I worry about what happens when these kids become parents themselves, how how different it's gonna be for them. Okay, again, I'm trying not to be the, the old guy here and trying to go like in my time and whatnot. But how do we deal with this though? That means there's a lot going on. I'm trying very hard not to use the word negative things out there, but there's a lot that's going on out there that severely or seriously impacts the growth of a child. Mm. It's an entire generation though right now because of COVID. How do you think, like, I read somewhere, in the, uh, I can't remember where I read it, that they, they're going to call this the forgotten generation or the COVID generation. How do you think this COVID generation is going to turn out though? Mm. There is serious talk about, okay, before, when we thought that the lockdown would be a temporary thing, yeah? There was serious debate and discussion as to whether employers should go and give graduates from the year 2020 some leeway in, in interviews and hiring. Yeah, I heard about that too. And what do you think about that? Uh, I empathize, but a company is here to make money, man. Yeah. So, you know, I, I can't give you an answer. I can just go and tell you both sides of the debate and I see and I see really strong arguments on both sides. So this because is beyond my cl- this is my, my, my thing is this recently the SPM results came out right yeah and it was anybody's guess to see what the results were some people said it's going to be shit all these students because they spend like as you said like one hour one content hour yeah. per week with or whatever uh, per day with the, with the teacher and everything the yep. teachers have lost their fangs because it's all threats and everything parents are too busy to take care of them so there's a lot that's going on and then after that SPM results were out much later they took the exam much later they were stressed out. There's a lot because the first batch of kids to actually take SPM was unfortunately very, they were our litmus test. They were our guinea pig to see how things were, right? Then the results came out and then it was like, wow, they did better than expected. And then another problem came out. People were like, wait, did they change the, the grading system to accommodate for the, whatever they were lacking? If I was a, an employer, and I'm going to be hiring or even a, a university taking these kids in. I'm, I'm going to seriously question, wait, can they really do the job? Are they prepared? Do they have enough? Like, Pop Gila, you go into war. Do you have enough weapons to go in? You know, they say you have enough weapons, but you may not really have enough weapons, right? So that's my worry. That's the forgotten generation. That's my thoughts. La. Agree? Disagree? What do you think? I, I do agree with you, especially for kids which are transitioning between very important years. Like, for example, kindergarten to primary. Yes. It's a huge jump, right? And it's, primary school is not easy in the Malaysian... In the, oh, yeah, here's another thing. The Malaysian syllabus is not easy. Yeah. And, yeah, for, you know, standard six going to form one, those... It's, yeah. it's the growing up years, right? 
Mm. Actually, they're all growing up years, but it's, it's a huge transition. The transition years, because you're changing environment, yeah? Because yeah. you're going to a new school, you're, you're, you're going to not have your friends around. Not that it matters now because they're just looking at a screen, you know? <laughs> it's a very different world now, right? Yeah. It's a very different world, yeah? yeah. So, yes, um, I do... I do fear or I do have my concerns about how these uh, about how these graduates will fare in the workplace or when they go into university. They will because, have knowledge gaps, yeah. And again, it's a Gen X, Gen Y versus millennial thing. Like, as it is, the millennials have been in the workplace for uh, the longest time already. And then the Gen Xers have become those who are hiring and people who own businesses and everything. And then they will constantly say, these millennials uh, cannot work on Give, put a little bit of pressure on them and they break and then all they talk about is work-life balance. That's, we've met some great millennials who are not like that, but then to, to a certain extent, it's true. How are we going to be dealing with this COVID generation though? It's like, we're not their parents. As in a professional world, we don't have to take your shit, basically, right? You have to just do the job, do, do, do the work. Mm. How are we supposed to deal with them? What can we do to prepare them for the real world? You know? mm. All right. So now the first thing we have to understand, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll say it from both sides, right? First of all, as an educator, then as an investment banker, right? right? So from an educator point of view, we have to be very compassionate with them. Now, the millennials and the generation Zoom, they are not easily bruised. They are not, they are not fragile. It's not that... Oh my God, I love that generation Zoom. Okay, okay, sorry. Yeah. sorry. Okay, yeah. It's not that they are... Fragile. It's not that they are easily sensitive. It's not. It's not any of that. It's just that they are dealing with very, very, very high levels of anxiety. Yeah. Well, put it this way, yeah. Okay. Because they're so used to instant gratification and instant rewards, they cannot understand why after one year working in this company, they don't get an increment. They don't get a promotion. Yes. Yeah. They can't understand it. Yeah. They can't. They would rather you yell in their face and tell them you did a really bad job. That's why you didn't get it. If you did that, they would still be okay. But they cannot. Of course, because they want feedback. I do X, I do trigger, I get response. That's what they're used to. So even if it is bad feedback, it's okay. They just want some form of feedback. And so this is why people jump jobs. Why right. millennials jump jobs is because they feel that they are not getting the feedback. Why did I work so hard this year? I didn't get an increment. I didn't get a promotion. Why did I work so hard on this project? But my boss didn't give me that acknowledgement or that praise. So it is not that they are more fragile. It is more. It is that they are dealing with different set of challenges than we were. Okay, not wrong. Not actually, wrong. to be honest with you, I actually sometimes also feel like you know I would love instant feedback also. Yeah. So when you look at organizations. All right, and you look at why people leave. It is yeah, it is because they feel that they didn't get direction or feedback. Okay, it's one of the main reasons. So that's from your education educator side of you. From the investment banker point of view, what do you think of all this? I'm running a business. I have stakeholders. I have people to be accountable for. <laughs> You've got bigger things to worry about, right? Yes, I do not hire people which I need to train. I need to go and hire people which can make revenue from day one, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. In the words yeah. of the great Harvey Specter from the TV show Suits, he Suits. Says, I need a grown ass man to actually do the damn job. I'm like, yeah. So <laughs> and I, I always watch that. I'm like, that's so true. I can't be molly coddling you. I can't be holding your freaking hand throughout the, the whole time. And while I, when the pressure of the day is gone, and I go like, maybe I could have handled that better. I'm so sorry and everything but I've got profits and losses to balance out. And so far, it's mainly losses. If you had just done your damn job, I would have kind of balanced things out. So no one's right here, is it? No one's right. I mean, well, um, it depends, oh, right? So if, if companies are interested to retain their talent and it is proven statistically that it is cheaper to retain your talent than to go and re- keep hiring. Correct. Yeah, because you have to retrain and, retrain yeah, exactly, and yeah. you have to go and pay a hiring premium, right? then you need to go and evolve your methods of communication to go and keep the millennials satisfied. That's it. It's like how I would probably never want to have worked in my dad's office when I was younger because I wanted to work in a cooler environment, very, very different because newer companies would do things differently because they were more woke, I suppose. More woke. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Because my level of woke from the 90s 
was like, hey, um, we're different from the the baby boomers. Let's do things differently. So now you think. So now we have to evolve again. So it's a constant evolution, then. Of course, yeah. I mean, human capital is the most important capital. If you're interested in retaining it, then just change the way you give them feedback. That's a low hanging fruit for now. Oh, okay. There are a lot of, again, I'm, I don't want to say it's negative, positive, or whatever. There, are, there's a lot that I'm very worried for for this generation that's coming out, and it's not just the form fivers, the SPM, the SCPM, whatever. It's like the ones you, you were talking about, just going from kindergarten to primary one, and then from and six, primary yeah. to secondary and everything. There's, there's a, it's a whole entire generation of youngsters. But are there positives that we can take out from all this, this, in, this group of instant gratification kids? You know, are there any positives from what we're going through right now? Um, well, here's the thing, right? Millennials are statistically some of the most hardworking um, generations there are. Really? Are, statistically, you will not find millennials shying off from the long hours. They feel that, right? Uh, they can be very, they can, they can be very, very hardworking, right? Um, but now they need to go and learn a bit of regulation and uh, emotional regulation and self-control. If they understand where is their anxiety and the stress coming from, if they go and do a bit searching inside, then they will turn out to be very, very fine individuals. In many aspects, they will be stronger than us in skill set because they have the ability to make judgments and to go and make decisions based on based on limited data. Right Nowadays, it's a skill set for them to go and scan an article very quickly and to go and pick out all the salient points very, very quickly. Yeah. Right, so they can they they have those skills over us. Actually, you know what? To be honest with you, I think that the millennials, their research skills are on are they are on top of their game because you give them something to try to figure out. And again, I'm not saying all, and even in our generation, not all were hardworking as well. But I gotta say, like you need to try to figure this out. There are a lot more resources. There's YouTube. There's uh, they can freaking wiki something immediately. There, there. Like what? What did we have back then? We had discussion groups and and probably user groups or whatever it is, right? It's the millennials are okay. I, I'm actually okay with the millennials. It's just I'm really concerned about the what do you call it? Zoom, Zoom right? Because <laughs> like, they're, they're so they're so different. Like this whole situation has been forced upon them, right? So, what positives can you get out of that? It's hard. It's hard for me to pinpoint any specifically because yeah. Um, At the moment, anyway, because it's so it's so new, right? Heightened decision making, you know, ability to go and extract information very quickly. For example, right? For us back then, when we read the newspapers, we would read until the end of the article before making a decision. Correct. Nowadays, they just look at the one paragraph on Facebook, and they feel that I need. I already need to know all the salient points just by here. Many uh, interesting. I mean, they're really, really good at getting information across. The communication skills are really, really good. When in terms of writing la, and recordings, uh, right? Also, do mm. you think if they manage it, la, if they can handle it, and it, it, there's a lot that's weighing on on their minds and even us, right? Because there's so much stress, slight doom and gloom of the world that's going on right now. Much like how I, I like. It's a very bad reference, but maybe like the wartime, World War II, whatever, because they, they grow up in this pretty horrid time that they can handle pressure and they can handle stress and they can handle anxiety a lot better. They can't. They, they can't. can't. They can't. How are they coping with it? They're coping in, with it by escaping into apps and games. Escapism. Yes. So, right. no, they can't. That's why, that's why they're viewed as fragile by people who don't understand them, easily bruised. Like how a Muay Thai fighter fights is like, he, he, his shin is practically broken down. Correct. To the point where the nerve endings are all dead. And then it's like this piece of metal in his shin. Correct. And then he becomes stronger. Yes, correct. Is, could that happen to our kids of the Zoom generation, the COVID generation? So you see, the thing about Muay Thai fighters is that they have rest. Right. But our kids, they don't have rest. When they have mental injuries, and there's a lot, right, from the internet, negative comments, bullies, cyber bullies, yeah, they troll, don't have yeah. rest. They don't say, okay, I need social media detox. They don't. They just wait into it. They get into online arguments. Is that what the parents' role should be? 
tell them to that you need to get away from it to detox or our parents also I, I think it's not the parents are also obsessed with social media right now right absolutely right so yeah parents need to understand this say that hey you know sometimes if you meet a cyber bully you know what is the best way to deal with it stand up to him and then just take a break walk away from it i think for the most part a lot of parents are ill-equipped to tell their kids that because i think they even they don't know how to yeah, look at the navigate look, social media. <laughs> absolutely, look at the people, uh, amount of adults who are arguing on Facebook, LinkedIn, <laughs> LinkedIn. Right, exactly. <laughs> so they don't know how to deal with it, also, right? Because yeah. there, there are some slightly woke people who have gone to the point where, like, you know what? Like in my case, I'm, I'm, I'm so disillusioned. What goes on, on on Facebook? I literally only do most of my social media stuff, um, mainly just for work to promote whatever we're doing. Otherwise, I just switch off because I'm like, well, I really don't need this shit. Mm. Literally, right? Mm. But a lot of people, you're right, they, they just get sucked into these discussions and then we're hoping that these parents can teach our kids a thing or two about detoxing from the internet. So how again? That means we're just, it's just going a vicious cycle with these kids again. Um, yeah, if, if things go on like this with, without the proper education for parents, then yes. Uh, you know, that's why the, my job is really, really important as yeah. a parenting trainer and there are not many of us at all. You know, yeah, it's really, really important for us to go and tell people some, some of these messages. I mean, business must be great. Um, because there's so many of them that need help. <laughs> ah, here's the thing, okay. Here's an insider secret for my industry. No one thinks they're a bad parent. Yeah. Uh, it's something yeah. which is very hard to admit, right? Uh, so you don't... It's like, no, there's something wrong with my child. I don't need to look for teacher Ken. I need to look for a child psychologist. Yeah. <gasps> How do we tackle this? Teacher Ken. From a mm. professional standpoint, from a professional... Uh, from a personal standpoint, so because you've got kids mm. who are in this situation right now, what can we do to to better equip, I suppose, our kids to deal with what's going on right now mm. and to prepare for what's in the future? Because education is what education can do right now. It is what it is right now. What are the roles of parents in this situation right now as we move ahead? Hey, I really think that parents need to study. They really need to understand themselves. What are some of the insecurities they have inside? Right? What are some of the sources of disturbance and unhappiness they have inside? And they have to go and teach those skills to their children as well. So yes, all right. perhaps schools should take a closer look at teaching spirituality, concentration, you know, mental discipline in school formally. Okay, so the education system, everyone's trying different things, online, hybrid, whatever it is, right? And then it's a, it's a trial and error thing. But you touched on this earlier about the mental strain that these kids are under. There's no break for them. That somebody, I think it was the US, that they said, I think we need to check in on our kids, on our students more regularly with a professional. Can't, because parents have their own responsibilities. There's a lot that they need to do. I think they need to have like a, a child psychologist, psychologist, psychiatrist, whatever you want to call it. Do you agree? Do you think they need that? Totally agree. Well, it doesn't have to be too. It doesn't have to be too. Um, doesn't have to be too formal. More of understanding yourself, where your emotions come from, what will happen if you if you give in to escapism, how do you deal with addiction? All these need to be, you know, meditation classes or yoga classes or bazikil classes. If you are a if you are a Muslim, right? Yeah. All these are really really good for to help you regulate your emotions instead of always running to the device to go and get those chemicals. So concentration goes a long way. I'm a huge fan of concentration. All right? I think anything that's meditative teaches you focus in a way, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So is it something that the authorities should kind of... Because I don't think they even think about this when they think about budgets or whatever it is, right? They think about administration and we're currently going through this nightmare of a, a change in administration again. Should they be very very concerned about how our kids are developing that they really need to put in a lot more funding into providing more care for these kids mental health so you see here's the thing it is not mental is not the mental is not the number one issue emotional regulation is the number one issue so yeah mental and emotional regulation yes i do believe we should formalize it in our in our syllabus because i'm worried ken because even my, even our generation, 
uh, Columbine was a very scary thing when, when kids were in school. And this, this was Generation X, post-Generation X. And then the school shooting started in the U.S. where kids were saying the kids are breaking, the education system is failing them, There's no, the, the, their mental capacity, this mental capacity, that. And then the school shootings never stopped. And then recently, with COVID, and then kids away from school, back in school, away from school, back in school, in Singapore, I don't know whether you heard about this, in the River Valley High School or River Valley, uh, I can't remember whether it was primary school or high school, one kid bludgeoned his classmate to death. And that freaks me out. I don't have kids on my own. And that's actually one of the reasons why I don't have kids on my own because I don't know, I might not be the best person to have kids. I don't know how to parent properly, right? It's a worry, isn't it? Because it just seems to be going from bad to worse uh, when it comes to emotions and the the mental well-being of our kids do you get concerned about things like this should the administration be concerned about things like this absolutely um our education system is very very much focused on skills right on, on hard skills on technical skills but to get them out to the factories to actually manufacture stuff right correct so now this one is something which we can talk about in another day or maybe you have talked yeah, about no, it already we, yeah we definitely will yeah, yeah exactly yeah and yeah our education system is a byproduct of the industrial revolution right we yeah. want to go and pass on all these hard skills to them so that they can go out to the factories immediately absolutely so many of us became engineers yeah awesome right yeah yeah but um no the way we receive our information now no we really have to go and teach our kids how to go and take care of themselves both physically as well as mentally and emotionally otherwise your best workers will all break down i don't know whether i'm very different to a lot of people but i like uh, i'm i'm slightly somewhat called someone call a doomsday prepper okay and if a if a zombie apocalypse were to happen i'm probably gonna be okay because i i just wonderful <laughs> yeah Right, I want this COVID nightmare to be over. I want to go back to watch movies to the cinemas. I want to go hang out and mom with my friends and everything. But I'm in this for the long run. If if this shit would have happened for the next ten years and they're still trying to figure out how to how we can work around it, like an endemic, right? I'm probably gonna be okay. Right. But some people, I've been told, like that is really not the right uh, place to be mentally, you know. But I'm like, I think I'm resilient, mm-hmm. right? Mm. Should that be something that we should be instilling in kids? I don't. I'm I'm caught be- between yes, it's a great idea, and also, ooh, I don't know whether we're scarring the kids. What do you think? Well, um, okay, from a business point of view, right? For my own business, I'm just gonna go ahead and assume that this is going to be the new norm, right? I'm gonna assume that it's gonna be the new norm. However, I do not hope for this to 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 last because our economies are driven by people who are more than me and you a lot of people are unable to make that transition or they have real challenges making that transition. So if I were in a power, uh, if I were in a position of influence or power, I would do everything possible to go and try to go and get us back to some sense of normalcy. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell my people that, okay, this is the new norm, get used to it or die or stuff. I would do everything in my power to go and put it back to the way, it would, uh, to, to, to some form of how it, it used to be. And I really hope to do so because of our children's learning. But from a business point of view, no, it is very, very harmful and irresponsible for us as business owners to go and assume that it will go back. No, just go and assume that this is going on for 10 years. Just pivot if you have to. Okay. Mm. But should we be telling our kids that uh, this is how it's going to be, man? Just prepare for it. No, I don't. I don't don't think the kids are ready for, for that. But you know what? They don't know any different though. That's right. This is what it's like for them, right? Right. So instead, what we can go and say is, all right, now focus on doing your best today. Just be better than you were yesterday and that's fine for now. Don't need to go and worry because you're strong enough to deal with any challenge coming your way. Don't worry, I'll be there with you as well. Because I think one of the problems is like, because we, we think of the, our good old days, when we were in school, uh, we had this, we had that and everything. I'm not keeping information away from our kids. I'm not hoping to do that. But I just think that if we don't tell them about our good old days, right, it's like, What's, what's the difference? It's like learning from home. This is all I know anyway. And just go ahead with it. I think as long as we don't tell them about this is, this is the worst time we've had in history of man. We've never had anything like this before. You are going to be a very different kind of generation. I think if we don't tell them that, does that help with their mental state? And can they, do you think that will help them learn better? It's, in, it's all in the messaging, yeah, JD. You can go and tell them, right, this was how things used to be. And that's why you have to really work very hard 
to go and uplift people in your community and to go and put things back to how they used to be, right? So work hard because you are strong enough to go and put things back to how they were. I'll always be with you on this journey. Yeah, the messaging is very important. So don't doom and gloom it for them, right? But sell them a little a bit of weight of responsibility on their shoulders, that, right? Mm, yeah, sell them a vision that they can make a difference. You know, teacher Ken, if you don't mind, we would love to have you on again to talk about a lot of other things because this is just, I think we're just kind of scratching the surface of, of a bigger problem here, right? But uh, just to give parents a little bit of a head start to what they can do, what advice do you have for parents out there? All right. So um, dear parents, I hope that you're hearing this and please take it. Please, please open your heart and go and listen to this. Yeah. All right. Now, like it or not, we are our children's role models. You can use the perfect language with your children. You can go and use the perfect methods and psychology. It doesn't matter because how you solve problems is going to be how they learn to solve problems. If you are yelling at other people all the time, if you're upset all the time, if you're miserable all the time, and if you're blaming other people for the circumstances in your life, that's what our children are going to learn. So number one advice to everyone, to parents, is to really take care of how you feel. Really, really take care of how you feel every day so that you can go and teach those positive attributes to your children. Before you go, we always do this and uh, we would love to get your advice what advice do you have? Because the whole point of the Janta Collective is to make Jantans better versions of themselves. Any advice for Jantans out there? Okay, yep. So this is a Jantan-specific advice, yeah, all right? Yes, yes. Okay, all right. Um, stop blaming people for how you feel. There's only one person who is responsible for how you feel. It's not your mother, it's not your spouse, <laughs> it's not your girlfriend, you know, not judging if you have a boyfriend, no problem, right? Yeah, but... Stop blaming people for how you feel. The only person who is in control of how you feel is yourself. So if you're feeling insecurity or unhappiness or you know your ego is getting in the way of, of you achieving great, great things, yeah, deal with that first, my friends. Wow, that hit me right there. I felt it. I'm like, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> it's a very different world. When we first started the Janda Collective, uh, the world was a very different place. We were trying to like, break new grounds and break barriers and this and then this happened and then wow this is a, a even tougher world than we thought it, it is so what do you think is the biggest challenge facing jantans today we we are under a huge amount of self-inflicted stress and we do not know how to deal with it traditionally we were soldiers we were farmers we were um, you know mercenaries and that type of thinking has has, has inherited all the way down to, to today, but we do not know how to go and take care of our emotional well-being and our mental health. Yeah, it comes back to the same team, actually. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So what should Jantans be doing better at? Studying. Study. Power of now, you know, uh, very, very apt, right? We were talking about the seven habits. Study. Yeah. Improve yourself. Don't try to go and change circumstances. And other people, if you don't have your own kitchen in order. That is brilliant. What's the best thing about being a Janta? We are in charge of our own destiny. You can achieve great things. Everyone, every one of us can achieve great, great things. There is, there is literally no physical barrier for us to go and get what we want. It is just an internal barrier now. Teacher Ken, thank you so much for chatting with us this has been very eye-opening for me and you're definitely coming back thanks so much teacher ken all right thank you jd it was a pleasure